Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And hi at you. Welcome In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse on a Monday. Feels like it's been a while since we've been in the groove of doing this show. Only a couple of shows last week and uh, back at it here for a full week or close to it in snowy central New York. Beautiful holiday type weather. If you get over the crispness, the snow is falling. We're going to talk about a couple of snow impacted football games over the course of the show today. In fact, if you were at the Bills game, well, even if you were at the Army Navy game, which would be even more impressive if you were, give us a shout if you'd like to call 437-7644-ESPN-44. We'd like to uh, talk with somebody who may have gutted it out. Makes for great television, doesn't it? And ratings show that. The snow games hold people in. Of course, the snow games are played like 1940s football. That's all Army and Navy know to begin with. But uh, no passes. And uh, the Colts and Bills game was very similar to that yesterday. I was listening to the uh, Army-Navy game for uh, quite a while on the radio driving around on uh, Saturday, and they were not only talking about no passes in the game, but hardly even any option pitches. And uh, eventually they got wild and crazy and pitched it uh, late in the game, and Army went on to win. We'll hear about that in uh, just a bit. And, of course, the Bills winning in snowver time yesterday at uh, New Era Field beating the Colts. Later in the show today, we'll talk Syracuse basketball with Dan Bonner. He had the game on television Saturday in the Dome. Orange with no trouble against Colgate, although it was a closer game than it's been. That's not to say that it was competitive in the second half or that Colgate had a chance to win, but they did uh, hang around. The uh, Orange uh, didn't exactly put them away and and, uh, allowed a few too many three-pointers, 14 of them total in that game for uh, Colgate to hang within striking distance. The Syracuse women went to a 10-0 record unbeaten here at the start of the year in their final home game of 2017, beating Drexel, coming back from eight down at the half and outscoring the Dragons by 18 in the second half to win that game. They're off to warm places like Myrtle Beach and Las Vegas and South Bend You know, before the year's out. South Bend's not especially warm, but uh, the other two spots are, and they are uh, off and running on that. Again, you you're welcome to join the show if you'd like at 437-76444-ESPN44. In particular, if you were at that Bills game yesterday, we would love to know why and how and your thoughts on it. If you've thought out by now, you can join us and check it out. In the booth on ESPN Radio brought to you by CH Insurance, cnyrealtor.com, and Burdick Ford. So we might as well back it up a little bit. The Army-Navy game on Saturday – has so many great storylines every year, the visuals. And the teams are actually a little bit better this year. The game has become more competitive in the last couple. Army won last year, stopping a long drought. Army needed to win this year to win the Commander-in-Chief Trophy for the first time since 1996. That's an Army team that you may recall came to the Carrier Dome. Both teams were in the top 20. Give me an idea of uh, not much has changed in college football 
in that time, but a little more than 20 years ago, Syracuse and Army was ranked versus ranked in the Carrier Dome. Army's head coach then was a guy named Bob Sutton, who has gone on to be an assistant coach in the NFL, now the uh, defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, on that Army team was a soldier named uh, Reno Faree, who is the uh, tight ends coach here at Syracuse now. And you may have seen uh, pictures of him out on Twitter this weekend as uh, the football staff is out recruiting and seem to have a pretty uh, successful weekend with the early signing period coming to a close here pretty soon, just before Christmas. Anyway, Army and Navy uh, both headed to bowls. Army came into the game with eight wins, and despite, forget about passing, a few fewer passes than any team in the country this year by a large margin, they hardly even pitched the ball in the option until late. They had the late lead with a touchdown in the final minutes. Navy driving, goes for the game-winning field goal. Barrett Mooring, the kicker. Brad Nessler at the mic for CBS. And Bennett Mooring with the miss. Good-looking kick. Navy had had a couple of penalties just prior to that, so it was a 48-yard attempt even with his uh, career long. And had it not been for the penalties, uh, that may it certainly would have been a shorter kick by 10 yards. So in the 38-yard range, maybe the uh, kick stays within the uprights, but it was kind of wavering miss to the left. And uh, Army wins the game and the uh, Commander-in-Chief trophy uh, for this year. So uh, congrats to the cadets. Big deal there. And then it's funny, the sideline reporter in that game on radio on Westwood One, heard it here, was uh, Ross Tucker. And they were running down what all the crew was going to do for the next day. And then he was going to make the drive from Philadelphia to Buffalo, and he got more of it. And yesterday was not just a snow day in Buffalo, but six and eight inches on the field. Punts that hit the snow just stopped. Uh, Very little passing in that game, although there seemed to be times where the weather uh, cleared up a bit and uh, the Bills able to take it in overtime. The Colts scored the tying touchdown late, had a chance to go for two in the win. They got the two, but there was pass interference. That backed them up. They kicked for the tie, 7-7 into overtime, and the reason the Bills were able to move it, Nathan Peterman was, uh, we presume, concussed, but he left the game with a head injury and able to throw a prayer that, even in the best of weather, may have been a low percentage pass up the right sideline. A bomb caught, 40-yard gain, uh, breathes life into the drive, and uh, Shady McCoy took it the distance. Here's McCoy breaking a tackle, McCoy! Spiro Ditas on the call there on CBS as uh, the Bills win 13-7. A little breakaway from 21 yards from Shady McCoy. And uh, both teams selling out against the run at that point uh, in the game. And once he burst through the line, there wasn't a lot of resistance there for him to uh, go the final 15 or so yards. And the Bills with a big win in Orchard Park. Lots of snow there. Bill was there. He joins us on the phone now. Bill, what... What is in your mind? First of all, how many Bills games do you go to a year, Bill? I don't go to any Bills game, Matt. I went to Army Navy. Oh, you went to Army Navy. 
Yeah. Okay. And so by Army Navy, okay. So, all right, so back up. So is that a regular thing for you? Yeah, our son is uh, a senior at Navy. He's actually in the company that runs the football from the academy to the game. And, um, you know, so this is his last year, and we've been to the last four. And everybody that says that's been once says it's a life-changing experience and the best sporting event that they go to. And for you, is do you get jaded by it at all, or do you, would you stand by that? No, I would absolutely stand by that, Matt. It's um, the, com- the, the camaraderie, the pageantry, um, and, and everybody there obviously is, is going to be serving their country, so it's kind of a big deal. And it, it's an awesome experience if you get a chance to to take partake in it. Yeah, I, I blew a one chance a couple years ago, and if, if another chance uh, presents itself, I'm not going to miss out on it because uh, it really is a tremendous. And, and for those of us that are in the Northeast, Typically, the game is, and Philadelphia has been overwhelmingly the most likely host, but maybe it's in Baltimore or something like that. So uh, you got to do it if you can. And adding to it, so, you know, in this day and age, there's the special uniform. So both teams looked super tight uh, for that game. That, that was great. And then, of course, Army's in all white in what turns out to be a snow game. So uh, at what point, Bill, did you know uh, that you were in for a snow game? Uh, we knew early. I mean, being from Syracuse, we we looked at the weather ahead and we dressed for the occasion. Every year, last year was pretty nice in Baltimore, but every year you, you dress, you know, you're prepared. You, you bring what you need to do, and it's um it's a long day because we meet our son's company for the tailgate once they bring the ball in, and um, you're there for five six hours easy out in the cold. Yeah, but it's worth it. Uh, you know, for those of us, the snow games we talked about uh, bring back a great tv rating it's proven over and over that uh snow and it's human nature right those of us that are warm and toasty and sitting by the fireplace with a beverage can uh watch the whether it was bill's colts yesterday or our army navy uh when you're there bill do, do you know that it's special above and beyond uh the very fact that you're at army navy to begin with oh absolutely i mean having a son that obviously is, is going to serve um, makes it all the more special, but you know, I, my father served in the Air Force. And wow. I was Army ROTC, so it is pretty special. And this year, the the Army was um, honoring the 10th Mountain Division, which is right up the road, and obviously have a tie to Syracuse, so it was kind of neat. Very cool. And I saw where Coach Munkin said before the game, he said, if we win that trophy, I'm bringing it right back to the mess hall. I'm planting it in the middle uh, <laughs> for all the cadets to see. So uh, when do you think that'll take place, or maybe it already has? Uh, I have no idea. Obviously, you know, it's leaving Navy, so, um, you know, maybe we'll have a shot next year, but it's definitely a neat thing. And even though I'm a Navy supporter, you kind of feel good for the cadets having lost 14 in a row up until last year and now having got the Commanders and Chiefs trophy back after 21 years. Nice to see it spread around some. Yeah, well, awesome. Those are uh, all great kids, and uh, more power to you and your son. What's uh, What does the future hold for him? Or I guess you don't know until he kind of goes through the whole process, huh? Uh, actually, the Naval Academy just had their service selection about three weeks ago, and uh, he is service selected to be aviation. And okay. He's going to try to be a naval aviator and uh, go fly planes. Well, very cool. we got to be awfully proud, and uh, we appreciate your, your – uh, chance to call in and the insight on it and, and uh, we're awfully jealous i'm sure that was a great experience even if uh your team didn't come out on the winning side it was thank you matt you bet that's bill uh who was at the army navy game and what a great visual that was for the the whole day army in all white 
uh, Navy in the uh, they had the Blue Angel helmets. I think they they said that those were uh, replica or uh, replicated from and uh, really kind of a neat uh, setup to see the whole thing. And I retweeted during the day on Saturday. Uh, you know, you've heard a lot of things about certainly the Army Navy game, and you know, very few of those guys are going to be NFL prospects, and that's not what they're there for. It is the uh, love of the game, and they're at Army for the love of their country and the sacrifices they make, and at Army and Navy both, and all of the service academies. The uh, dedication to be a student athlete anywhere is, is a big deal, but uh, above and beyond, certainly at the service academies and the the quote the you know, something something to the effect of that all the players on the field are willing to die for all the people watching, and they have made the commitment to go out and uh, protect our freedom. So powerful stuff. someday I hope to get to that Army Navy game, and uh, would uh, love to talk with it uh, talk with any of you further about those that uh, may have been there. A lot of ground to cover on the show today. We'll come back to uh, some of the weekend in review as we continue. If you're a Yankee fan, you woke up with a smile on your face on Saturday. Some other baseball news that kind of makes us feel a little warm at this time of year and a new a men's basketball poll is out with duke toppled by bc on saturday a shake up there later in the show dan bonner of raycom and fox and acc network etc he will join us to talk the uh, syracuse colgate matchup but maybe more the uh, conference as a whole it's all in the booth on espn radio syracuse the Orange Women off to Myrtle Beach Sunday at 6.30 versus Coastal Carolina. Orange pregame, 6.15. On the pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, good to have you with us. In the Booth brought to you by CH Insurance, CNYRealtor.com. And Burdick Ford on this Monday here in Central New York. We've got Lawrence Moten, who has his uniform retirement or jersey honoring or whatever the heck it is for uh, later in the season, March 3rd in the uh, Clemson game, number 21 going up there. So we caught up uh, with Moten. We'll share that for you later uh, in the week and uh, have it for you on the pregame show of the Orange in Georgetown in D.C., which is a 12:30 start on Saturday. Dan Bonner a uh, former Virginia star in his own right will be our guest later in the show to uh, talk ACC basketball in just a bit, which was obviously shaken up in the first conference game of the year. Just like Syracuse got jumped last year at Boston College, number one Duke did. New poll is out, and uh, Arizona State, the big winners, as they have had a tremendous resume here at the start of the year and are unbeaten. They just went to Allen Fieldhouse and beat Kansas. So Kansas lost not only in Kansas City to Washington, which we all made a big deal of around here, but uh, then at home in Allen Fieldhouse, where they very rarely lose. In fact, only the 11th loss in Bill Self's tenure at home comes to the hands of uh, Bobby Hurley yesterday to uh, Arizona State. Villanova is the new number one, followed by Michigan State, Wichita State, Duke, Arizona State, Miami, North Carolina, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Xavier. That's the top 10. So uh, the ACC has Duke, Miami, and North Carolina all in the top seven. Syracuse is getting votes in both polls. Kind of the upstart teams right now nationally are TCU, who's in the middle of the pack with Jamie Dixon. Seton Hall is a very good team. So uh, some to keep an eye on there. And uh, it's possible that you'll see Syracuse creep into the polls here if they're able to continue to take care of business. The 
it will not be easy, but the Orange ought to go through their non-conference season with just the one loss. Uh, that presupposes things that, again, are not layups. A win at Georgetown and then home wins against Buffalo and St. Bonaventure and even Eastern Michigan could be a bit of a, a challenge this year, but then you go into conference play with the one loss, and they ought to be right there in very decent shape. All right, I want to get you some of this uh, reaction from some of the things we were talking about in the first spe- segment. First is the Bills and Colts. Sean McDermott with an important eighth win for Buffalo, and it came with eight inches of snow. Uh, in terms of the weather, uh, I really haven't. 20-some years around the NFL, I really haven't. I've been in part of some wind and some rain. Some, we had, I think we had all but sun today. We had some lightning, some thunder. And, uh, and a lot of snow and wind. So, uh, but again, I thought the guys really stuck it out and adjusted the game plan throughout the, throughout the day. Um, the weather changed. This wasn't the weather we ex- quite expected um, last night when we went to bed and woke up, and, uh, and then we were able to adjust um, pretty quickly here. There's the effervescent Sean McDermott listing the various conditions we got that John but no the you obviously have to adjust the game plan you can think all week oh we're going to do this or that but then when you realize it's six inches of snow it's not just a dusting they're not covering it off you're hardly throwing passes you've got to adjust and uh, the Bills did that uh, just enough to win yesterday in a game that uh, really was played all the way to a fifth quarter did you watch the overtime I did I was I will admit I was fading in and out but I the uh the punt at the end of the game that I missed oh, okay because I was I know that that, that was, was a, criticized. What the hell are you doing? And then, oh, that was pretty genius. It, but it, <laughs> it worked out. Field position is why you punt. And uh, they got it back, and, and the punts weren't going anywhere either. They were punting 20 and 30 yards. Punters were just trying to get rid of it because, God forbid, you get one blocked in that situation or, or whatever. It's uh, easier said than done to get rid of it. But it looked like uh, you know turkey bowl out in the back. with Players are a lot less athletic <laughs> in the snow. T.Y. Hilton who uh, is one of the fastest players in the league, obviously was uh, not as much of a factor in a game like that uh, for the Colts and good win for the Bills. Eagles get a huge win in L.A. at the Coliseum against the Rams, but it comes at the expense of Carson Wentz. Eagles confirming today that Wentz uh, has uh, blown out his ACL. He is out for the year. And talk about changing your game plan the Eagles didn't really do that in the short term. They came right out. Their first four plays with Nick Foles were passes. He was throwing deep, but uh, they're going to have to play it a little closer to the vest and be led by other parts of their team with an MVP candidate quarterback, uh, albeit in his second year, Carson Wentz out for the year. But the Eagles still in very good shape, clinching the NFC East yesterday. Back a day, no drama really in the Heisman Trophy. 86% of the vote went to Baker Mayfield. It's so surreal. I mean, it's just... Just saw my family and some of my teammates and just looked at him and said, is this real? I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. You know, from a kid that grew up an OU fan, watched those guys win the Heisman, went to the tailgates and into the stadium and just loved to be a part of just game day. And now being up there and and a part of the Heisman fraternity and being able to represent OU, is it's an unbelievable feeling. Sixth Heisman Trophy winner at uh, Oklahoma. Congratulations to uh, Baker Mayfield. And he did everything right. Looked sharp in his suit. Didn't grab his body parts or anything crazy, and uh, he knows he's got to clean up his act in terms of getting ready for the NFL draft. Plus, he has one, maybe two huge games the rest of the way. The uh, third most lopsided voting going back to the 50s, 86% of the vote for the Oklahoma quarterback, so uh, very little drama in that. Who had a better week than Aaron Boone? Who, right? Had a great job to begin with at ESPN. 
had a model wife, has all that still, and then trades in the job as the manager of the New York Yankees. And, oh, here's the reigning NL MVP dropped into your lineup with Giancarlo Stanton, uh, basically for close to nothing. The Yankees gave up as little as they possibly could. Derek Jeter's going to take a beating in Miami, uh, not only because he's getting rid of the best player, but he's giving it back to the team he came for, and his hands were tied. Stanton had all the power, an incredible deal that he had made before, owed more than a quarter billion dollars, plus a firm no trade. So he turned down the chance to go to two of the best baseball cities in America, St. Louis and San Francisco, to go to one where he's going to be a star in New York. And he only wanted to go to major markets, so it was New York, L.A., Chicago, Houston, the top four markets in America. And off he goes to the Yankees. He's going to look awfully good in pinstripes, and the Yankees are going to hit many, many, many home runs next year. Going to strike out a lot, and uh, we've got between now and then to come up with John Sterling's Giancarlo Stanton home run call. And they still need playoff pitching. They're going to hit a lot of home runs, but they don't have the pitching staff. They probably will not go undefeated. Might make a good run at it, but probably not. We'll have Kyle Federley on when we get closer to lacrosse season. Kyle uh, always talks about the Yankees going 162-0, and and this might be the year. This might be the year they win them all, go undefeated. I'm not buying on this. I'm, I may okay. be the only idiot in America that's not buying on this. but yeah. You, you got... also have a uh, jaundiced view of baseball, Polly, because the team you pay the most attention to is not competitive and hasn't been. And won't Ever. Be. Right. Uh, so this is the other league. This is what they... Yeah, but I just I don't see you're relying so much no, heavily agree. on I mean, the home it's, run. It's not going to be a uh, a complete slam dunk here because yeah, guys are going to go into slumps, and I'm sure you know June, July, or well, I, I uh, texted the boss the other day. Now you're going to have two guys that were in the home run derby, and boy, that's going to mess up. There. So the the second half of July next year, forget about it with with uh, Judge and Stanton because both of their swings are going to be messed up, and they won't do anything. But uh, what a lineup it is. I think you like your chances of penciling that in every day. But, uh, yeah, it's going to come down to the pitching. Luis Severino, can he be as good as he was last year? Sonny Gray's got to be as good for the long haul as he is as a starting pitcher in the last uh, couple of years. We'll see C. Sabathia come back, et cetera. But should have a very good bullpen. Uh, right now needs to, to patch it up. And will they have the lights out starters that some of the other teams do come the postseason? No, they won't. Um, and good pitching beats good hitting. But, uh We'll see. I think uh, as a Yankee fan, I think you have to be excited. Uh, certainly be fun to watch. Knock the ball out of the ballpark. But uh, how much more? I don't know. That kind of remains to be seen. But pitchers are going to have an awfully difficult time when you're looking at uh, probably three in a row are going to be Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, then maybe Bird, Gregorius, and uh, Gardner on the front end of that to uh, to set the table. It's going to be a pretty ridiculous Yankee lineup. A couple other uh, quick hitters, and these really aren't ones that we can do that quickly, but Paulie, I think this is up our alley as much as it may be a little bit bogus, but the modern era committee, they call it now, for the Baseball Hall of Fame is putting in all those guys that you know we had their baseball cards when, when we were kids. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but uh, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell are now Hall of Famers. I can speak directly to both of these because my favorite team, who does suck, the Padres, faced two of the greatest teams in recent time, the, the 98 Yankees Tigers. and the 84 Tigers, and Jack Morris and Alan Trammell were on that 84 Tigers team that it was just absolutely stacked. Alan Trammell, uh, six-time All-Star, 
Top 10 in the MVP voting three times. Three or four gold gloves. Really good, solid, dependable player. Career 285 hitter. 185 home runs, just over 1,000 RBS. I don't know that that's a Hall of Famer. No. Longevity, I'm a little nostalgic. You know, great player in the in the 80s, in the mid-90s. I think uh, if there was a Hall of good guy or a good player or Hall of very good, he'd be there. Hall of Fame, the best of the best, I just don't see it with, uh, with Alan Trammell. He did in 1987, the year the – Balls were juiced. Finished second in the MVP, batting uh, three forty three. That was nearly sixty point. Was sixty points higher than his previous year, and the following year he hit three eleven, thirty points less. I got no issue with Jack Morris though. Jack Morris, borderline Hall of Famer. Anyway, what's happening? And he's, what he's I, the reason I thought of you is your guy Tim Raines. Had he not gotten in the conventional way, he would have gotten in this way. Uh, Dale Murphy's a guy that's still just outside based on this process, and. Uh, the one that people were outraged about yesterday was that Marvin Miller, the uh, lawyer agent that saw through the idea of free agency and made all these players rich, is still not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, obviously, he should be too, but it comes back to how you define the Hall of Fame. Jack Morris, the thing he has going for him is his postseason. He was the ace on three World Series champion teams, uh, certainly the Blue Jays, the Twins, and uh, the 84 Tigers that, that you mentioned. The Orange Women off to Myrtle Beach Sunday at 6.30 versus Coastal Carolina. Orange pregame, 6.15. On the pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We'll be here for a few more moments before wrapping up the show on a Monday. You heard the uh, Syracuse women next play on Sunday in Myrtle Beach. As for the men, not quite as warm for the road trip to D.C. Orange and Georgetown Saturday at 1230 on the air for us at 11 a.m. Hope to have you along for the ride then. We visited with Dan Bonner over the weekend. Dan had the Colgate game in the Dome on Saturday and has many more Syracuse games on tap for uh, Raycom and CBS and the whole deal in his portfolio as the year goes along. Dan, how are you? I'm fine, Matt. How are you today? Good, man. And uh, we're going to, since you're setting up residence here for the season with a number <laughs> of Syracuse games, uh, the big news in town is that Yanni is going to play the uh, local amphitheater in the summer. So if you want tickets to that, we can maybe put in a good word. Okay, all right. Well, by the t- that time, I'll probably be uh, be charged taxes uh, yes. in Syracuse. So, yeah. Would you pay ninety five dollars to see Yanni, Dan? Uh I don't know. Is he like Zampier? <laughs> yeah, same uh, deal. Z- yep, Ma- master of the yeah. pan flute. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. He I'm did the CBS golf guy, theme, so. you know. So he's going to start out with "Hello, friends," and just let the. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I might pay to see that. Yeah, that's his that's his opening act. Um, all right, so what did you think of the game the other night where it was the closest Syracuse-Colgate game since uh, the mid – well, there was one in 1997 that was a four-point game. There was one in 2004 that was a 14-point game. Syracuse won by 13 – or I guess that one was 13. They won by 14 on Saturday. didn't feel like it was uh, that close or, or actually competitive, but uh, what were your takeaways? Well, I didn't think it was really close. I'm surprised to hear you say that, uh, that it was, you know, in terms of the history of the thing, it was that kind of a competitive game. But, you know, Colgate played slowly. The only thing they were looking for was to shoot threes. And 
when you do that, you run time off the clock. And so I, and you know, when you play that way, it doesn't create really very many opportunities for, uh, your team to, you know, have a lot of chances to run away and hide. So I was, I was actually very impressed with Syracuse. I, I thought that they had, you know, there's a certain bounciness to the team that I don't really believe I saw last year. And, I think that they have a chance to be a very interesting team. Now, whether they'll have a lot of success, uh, the kind of success they want, I don't know. But uh, they just have some interesting possibilities to me. Well, I, I think you're right because what we are seeing is, as you use the words bouncy, the athleticism has increased the defense or improved the defense back to what um, – has been more representative of Syracuse defense in recent years. It shows off last year as uh, one that stuck out as an anomaly with uh, phenomenal scores, but uh, really not the uh, defensive pressure that we're used to around here lately. And I think that's a fair assessment. And let's be honest, defense, despite what the you know everybody says, defense doesn't win you anything. Uh, defense, but it, what it does is put you in a position to win. And then you got to make some shots at, uh, particularly at end, the end of the game to, to deliver on the deal. And I think that, you know, looking at this team, their defense seems to be pretty good right now. And as the players get used to one another, that zone will become better and better. And I think they have more offensive capability than sometimes they're given credit for. I was impressed with, uh, obviously, Tyus Battle. I was impressed with uh, Brissett. And I was impressed with Frank Howard and the things I think that they can do now, but they will be able to do in the future as things develop. Those three combined for 62 of the Orange's 72 points in the win against Colgate on Saturday afternoon in the Dome. Dan Bonner is our guest. You see him uh, during the tournament on uh, CBS. Uh, works uh, for Raycom, calling the ACC games throughout the year. And Who, who have you seen so far around the conference, uh, Dan, that, that's opened your eye? And I guess the, the thing we need to point out as a header on this is that the very first conference game is whack, a big upset in Chestnut Hill. The same thing happened to Syracuse last year, and it turned out to be kind of an off year for the Orange uh, in terms of uh, conference play, and uh, Duke was bitten on Saturday up there. I, I was That was a stunning result to me, Matt. Yeah. I don't think that that's going to lead Duke to a poor conference season because I think they're, they're a fabulous team, obviously, but that was a stunning result. I you would not have been able to convince me that Boston College could do that. And I think that says something about uh, the league as a whole. I think that it might be uh, maybe better from top to bottom than we thought. I think at the top of the league, everybody thought it was going to be really, really good in the first place. And I think Boston College just sent a, a shot across everybody's bow. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's bow man. If you look at it, that's their, that's <laughs> well, there their uh, outstanding uh, guard, Kai Bowman, who had uh, nearly a triple double, was just an assist shy of that. And I'm looking at the ACC standings, and they do look upside down. There's just been the one conference <laughs> game, Boston College on top, Duke at the bottom, and and uh, many would view that uh, as inverse of certainly what was expected. But uh, BC seven and three. BC, by the way, was a team that trailed Colgate at the half by double digits. And uh, Duke obviously is still among the very best teams in the country. They're right there. As we mentioned, three ACC teams in the top seven, North Carolina and Miami. Have you seen Miami yet in person, Dan? I have not seen Miami in person. I've been watching them a little bit on tape because I do have them in person on Saturday. They play at George Washington and I'm going to go up to D.C. and do that game, and I'm looking forward to that. I understand that uh, uh, Brown uh, won't play, uh, but this uh, 
what's his name, Walker kid, the freshman. I'm very looking forward to seeing him. Miami is one of the more impressive teams, to my mind, early in the season. That win that they had during the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Minnesota, I think, is will be one of the best wins on the road that an ACC team will have all year, uh, particularly out of conference, because we're getting to the end of the out of conference play now. But I, I've just I've been really impressed with Miami. I'm anxious to see them in person. Well, that's very good. You'll have that on uh, CBS Sportsnet. We'll be working at the same time then Saturday in D.C. Okay, well, that, that'll be better for you. You won't have to watch. <laughs> we'll catch it on tape when we get ready for uh, Miami down the road. So, uh, Dan, we'll do it again when we got a little more time and want to uh, check in over the course of the year maybe and get some of your insights around the conference. I know you'll be able to see Syracuse a bunch and put it into perspective for us. Well, Matt, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, you guys, with as much as I have Syracuse this year, I think everybody up there might get tired of me after a while. <laughs> well, so we'll I'll, just, I'll leave that to your judgment. Happy to do it, and uh, we'll see you on the road. Safe travels to uh, D.C. as uh, George Washington hosts Miami. That's Dan Bonner. You can catch him on CBS Sportsnet this weekend. At the same time, the Orange played Georgetown in D.C. More to come. Lawrence Moten we'll have on the show later this week. You're in the booth. Thanks to Polly and Joe and the whole gang. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.